Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. God is good. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that you're already here, God. I thank you that you love laughter, that you love joy, God. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for just um, how present you are with us, Lord, through everything, thick and thin, God. I thank you for um, joy being a third of the kingdom. I thank you for fun. I thank you for laughter. I thank you, Lord, that you are not uh, serious and stern, God, but that you are a kind, loving, joyful dad. And we just thank you so much. Lord, for who you are. And I just pray, Father, just take over. Just just take over. <laughs> just do what you do. Just be who you are. And uh, we welcome you to do all that, Lord. And I just, uh, I just pray, Father, above all things, that your anointing would be present, Lord, that you would break yokes of bondage, God, that there would be an impartation, Lord, of uh, courage, that there'd be an impartation of uh, faith. And we just thank you so much for it. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so let's, let's put the first scripture up on the screen. This is Proverbs 9.10. And I just felt led by the Lord to just start in this place. Proverbs uh, 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's just all say that together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, uh, just to, uh, to clarify something really quick, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, there is a fear of the Lord that is a respect, an honor, it's awe, it is not um, terrified as in I'm running away from him because he's scary and he's mad at, mad at me and he's about to punish me. Very, very different. This is a fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord means that I'm gonna honor him first, I'm gonna go to him first, I'm gonna seek his direction first because that that is what wisdom looks like. That's what understanding looks like is knowledge of him. Okay, super important um, that we understand that because the truth is um, we are supernatural beings. Okay, so you are a spiritual being. Someone say, I'm a spiritual being. <laughs> Someone say, I am spirit. Okay, you have a soul and you live in a body. Okay, but first and foremost, you are spiritual, you are supernatural, you've been born again into a whole nother kingdom, you are aliens on this planet. <laughs> this is in the Bible, you guys. <laughs> the way I'm saying it might sound strange, um, but the truth is you are a supernatural being, first and foremost, okay? The things that we look at in this realm, this natural realm, is very limited, when all that we base life on is what we can see and what science can tell us, which can be debatable at times, right? Um, we, are, we are living very limited when we're looking with our natural eyes at what we can see because the truth is that's the, a very small portion of who we are is what's in the natural, what's like temporal, all this stuff. Like this, like the spiritual realm is more real than anything that we can physically touch or see. Does it make sense? So it's really important that we understand that wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. Wisdom comes from following him. Understanding comes from knowledge of the Holy One. It's always going to be from him first. He is our source. 
Amen. I love it. We're talking about cats now, apparently. <laughs> but uh, there was this really awesome dream that someone had. Stephen De Silva tells this story. Uh, but a friend of his had a dream. And in the dream, he became a cat. And he goes up to heaven. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I just want to, like, rub up against God's leg. You know, he's sitting on the throne. He's massive, you know. And he comes and rubs up against uh, God's leg. And God reaches down to pet the cat. But he pets him from tail to head. And he's like, oh, that just doesn't feel good. He's like, oh, why, why is he doing that? It's painful. And then he wakes up and he's like, what was that about? What does that mean? So then he has the dream again. Again, he goes into the throne room. He's a cat because that's how dreams are. Those of you that are dreamers, that's actually not that strange of a dream. Uh, he's a cat. He goes uh, to the Lord's feet and uh, he's like, oh, the Lord's going to pet me. This is going to be amazing. And the Lord pets him and pets him again from tail to head. And he's like, oh, that feels so uncomfortable. He's like, that's, that's not, that doesn't feel good. Right? So he has the dream a third time. And then in the third, third time, comes up to the, the Lord saying, he's like, maybe this time he's going to pet me the right way. Like, why is he upset with me? What's happening? And he pets him the wrong way again. He, let, he's, he goes, Lord, why are you petting me that way? Meow, 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 apparently. <laughs> God speaks cat. And uh, so the Lord looks down at him and he says, turn around. <laughs> Turn around. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when we feel uncomfortable at times, when we feel the pain, when we feel like, oh, just like something in, in my soul is wrestling with something, it's our job to turn around and his standard, who he is, stays the same. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So someone say, turn around. <laughs> turn around. Turn around. Turn it around. <laughs> All right. Uh, turn around. Look to the Spirit. Um, let's put up the next scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal, in other words, temporary, okay? Temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is why it's so important that we engage who we truly are as born-again believers, that we are spirit, we are living a supernatural life, and we need to have that be our worldview at all times. Does that make sense? Okay, the things that we see are temporary. Um, the supernatural realm or the realm of the spirit is accessed by faith, so someone say faith, okay? So what you see in the natural is temporary, okay? So that, that thing that you're facing, that growth in your body, that, uh, that issue in your leg or whatever it is, that is temporary. What God says is what's eternal, and that is actually what truth is. Truth comes from God, amen? All right. Um, so we talked a little bit last week, just at the end of service, about the analogy of grace versus faith, okay? So God provided everything through Jesus Christ. He died on a cross. He died on the cross for everything when it comes to salvation. It's not just our ticket to heaven, but it is abundance here on this earth. It's prosperity. It's peace. It's wholeness. It's deliverance. It's freedom. It's health. It's all the things. Someone say all the things. <laughs> he died on the cross for us for all the things, and he provides all of that to us by his grace, okay? And now we receive it by accepting it by faith. 
Does it make sense? So we receive it by faith. We do not receive it by works. We don't receive it by works lest anyone should boast. It does, it's not based on how well we're doing and what we're earning and things like that. That is not the gospel. That is a false gospel. And that's got the world all jacked up because they think Christianity means, oh, I'm supposed to be good and then I'll go to heaven. And it is not true. That is a very dangerous thought. It is, it's, it's not the deal. If you, if you die and you do not have Jesus, you are not going to heaven, period. Okay, because you need a lamb. Amen? We need a lamb. We all need to see that we were sinners and we needed a lamb. We needed, we needed salvation. And that's when we receive Jesus by faith and he cleanses us all. We get to receive the fullness of grace. Amen? Okay? That is what the gospel is. Um, so the analogy that I use is Jesus is continually putting a million dollars in your account. Continually. Just always, always, always. You've got a million dollars in your account. That is grace. Okay? So oftentimes we worship God and we're just like, yay for the million dollars. We praise you, Lord. We have a million dollars. Jesus, you're amazing. You gave us a million dollars. Now, faith is when we start to take that debit card and make some purchases. <laughs> Amen? So faith is when not only am I believing that the, the million dollars is in there, but I believe it so much that I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to act on the million dollars and assume that that card's going to go through. Amen. How, how many of you have ever been in the financial position, maybe back in college, maybe, maybe last week, where you go to the grocery store and you load up all your stuff and they're like, okay, it'll be, you know, 100 bucks, whatever, and you hand them the debit card and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> and it feels like you're spinning the wheel on the wheel of fortune. Has anyone ever been there? Big money, big money, no bankruptcy, no whammies, no whammies. Anyone ever been there? I've been there. Right? Where you're just like, oh, gosh, I hope it goes through. I don't want to have to put stuff back. That's like the worst, right? Uh, definitely been through seasons like that. Um, but I want to tell you that every time you use that debit card, it's going to go through. It's going to go through. Whether that means you're, you're believing that God has a million dollars in your account toward healing. You step out and you pray for healing and you believe that that transaction is going to go through. Amen? When it comes to stepping out in faith for your business, whatever that looks like, you you, what is that called? Swipe, swipe the card and you believe that it's going to go through. Amen. All right. Um, so as I was preparing the message this week, it's actually really funny. This is kind of like some of the woes sometimes of being a prophetic person is that um, you tend to feel things through your life and then you have to articulate what it is that's happening and identify that something is happening. Does that make sense? So you identify it and then you have to articulate what it is and God is, is typically uh, sharing something through something I'm walking through. So as I was preparing the message this week, I kept feeling this weird sense of dread. And that's not my normal. That's not my, like, normal. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty joyful person. Um, I feel like I have a pretty high capacity. Like, it's, it's, it's not a, my normal struggle. Just like, oh, I have to preach the message. Oh. You know, like, it's usually something I'm, I'm like, yay. You know, I get to preach this week. I'm excited. I usually have, like, a billion things lined up, and I got to ask the Lord which one that he wants to talk about. And, um, but I started feeling this sense of dread. And I don't typically have that. And so my, my core value and um, something that I've learned um, really by, by ringing that transaction, swiping that card and learning every time that God shows up is that um, I'm best to prioritize sitting in his presence than sitting in front of a laptop and racking my brain 
and trying to come up with something. So I'm just like, I'm sitting in his presence and I'm just spending like literally hours in his presence, just like, Lord, what are you saying? And just like, he's speaking to me about everything but the message. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, you know, just sitting in his presence and just practicing the presence. And I'm just, I'm trusting that as I'm being filled with his presence, that there's going to be an impartation of whatever it is that he wants on Sunday. But to be honest, there's times I'm just like, okay, you're going to have to show me what it is that you want to talk about. And so this dread kept coming back. And uh, yeah, so um, I had a couple thoughts, but no clear direction from the Lord. And all the while the dread was building. And so uh, the first thing I finally asked the Lord was, Lord, am I supposed to preach on Sunday? Like, have you given me the grace to do this? Or is there someone else that's supposed to do this? And his immediate answer is, yes, I have graced you to do this. You're supposed to preach on Sunday. I'm like, okay, great. So that's kind of knocks that bird out of the way, right? And then the Lord started talking to me about dread. So we're going to talk about overcoming dread today. Um, If I have dread, it means that I have attached negative beliefs to a situation, If I have dread, it means that I have attached negative beliefs to a situation. So dread indicates that we are looking through the eyes of the natural realm and not through the supernatural realm. Okay? So this is where it's awesome when you understand that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, when you understand that he is so for you and that he's not sitting up up in heaven and just like waiting to beat you over the head. Oh, how dare you be fearful? How dare you feel dread? You know, like when you know that there's no condemnation, you can actually take that feeling of dread and being like, ooh, that is not kingdom. Let's go after that thing and really kick it in the face. Does that make sense? So it actually can be an asset to you when you recognize that this is something outside of me and this doesn't mean anything about who I am as a person or as a Christian. Does this make sense? It's, it's, it's a signal to you that you're being robbed. Someone say, I'm being robbed. <laughs> you're being robbed. When you dread something, you're being robbed of joy in a present moment because of something in the future that hasn't happened yet. So you're being robbed of joy, which means you're being robbed of strength in this moment right now. Does this make sense? So someone say, I'm being robbed, okay? So when you feel dread, just say, I'm being robbed, and we're going to go after it, okay? So you might be dreading an appointment. You might be dreading a phone call. You might be dreading housework. (laughs) You might be dreading opening the mailbox and opening up letters and bills and stuff like that. I've been there. Um, You might be dreading having a brave conversation. You might be dreading that workout. You might be dreading, um, I mean, it it could be anything. So let's just close our eyes right now. Let's ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just identify maybe one, maybe two things that I am dreading, that I just like, I have this sense of dread. Just, would you just identify places where we're just being robbed of joy? All right. Can you just like pop your hand up real quick if you've got something? Okay. All right. Holy Spirit, just continue to show. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three things. All right. So we're going to take a look at those things that Holy Spirit's highlighting because here's the thing. When Holy Spirit highlights it to you, that also means that you have the grace to go after it. Because he doesn't show you things to tell you what a crappy person you are. <laughs> he shows you things and he's like, hey, let's go after this together. 
Amen? So we're going to take a look at those things. So step one, if you're taking notes, step one is ask Holy Spirit, am I being led by you to do this thing? So, like, there, there could be a situation where it's like, hey, I'm really dreading, you know, this, this conversation, and uh, I go and ask Holy Spirit about it, and Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you're still pretty fired up about it. Maybe you shouldn't have that right now. Like, maybe get some perspective, pray with me or whatever, and we'll talk about when it's time. That could be a situation. So, step one, you're going to ask Holy Spirit, am I being led by you to do this? Okay? And if the answer is yes, run in the direction of the dread. Run in the direction of the dread. Um, if you don't know what God is doing, look at what the enemy is doing and then reverse it. <laughs> because he always overplays his hand, okay? If you don't know what God is doing, look at what the enemy is doing and then reverse it. You can actually be led by your fears at times. Um, I think I've talked about this before at some point. I've never been afraid of becoming an astronaut. <laughs> like literally, I've never been like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do when someone tries to get me to be an astronaut? I just like, I could never handle that. I don't know enough math, you know, all the things. Like, it's just a lot of math, by the way. Like, I was really good in school, and I took an astronomy class, and I thought, oh, we're going to look at stars. And it's like all like physics and math, and I was just like, how fast can I drop this class? But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? <laughs> you can be led by your fears. I've never been afraid of becoming an astronaut. Never, ever, ever. Not even crossed my mind. What have I been afraid of? I've been afraid to speak in front of people. I've been terrified to sing in front of people. I've been terrified to play piano in front of, in front of people to the point that my piano teacher in college would literally uh, drop my hand and make me slam my hand on the keys uh, because I would always like, I would always shy away from hitting the keys all the way down to the, to the bottom. She's like, just bang on the piano. Like you have permission to bang on the piano. And so now as you see, like the keyboard is always... <laughs> <laughs> about to fall off. Um, but all that to say, what are the fears? Like, what did the enemy attack me in? All the areas that I'm called to. All the areas that I'm supposed to run after and have breakthrough in and see breakthrough for other people. Does this make sense? All right. I used to hate speaking in front of people. I used to hate singing in front of people. I would dread it. I, like, I would lead worship, and I would dread all week long. I wasted so much time and so much energy and so much emotional energy, like, dreading. We would get to Saturday night, and it was, like, the worst night of the entire week for me. I was just like, oh, Jesus, I didn't pray enough, and I didn't prepare enough, and I'm the worst thing, and I'm going to lead worship tomorrow, and they're going to give me my, my Bible with my name, you know, engraved on it. It means that they're retiring me, you know, like, they're going to find me out. That was, uh, that was my concern. I hated it. I dreaded it. So when you are dreading something, that should be a signal to you. I'm being robbed. Okay? I'm being robbed. So let's flip the script on dread. Step one, ask Holy Spirit, am I being led by you to do this? Step two, if the answer is yes, uh, ask Holy Spirit, what lie am I believing? What lie am I believing? Dread, fear, and anxiety are great revealers of what we actually believe. So I can have a high value for certain things. For example, God is my supplier. Okay, I can have a high value for that. Like mentally, I agree with that. But if I start worrying about, for example, the church building, you know, there's not a lot of inventory right now. We're just like really praying into what our next move is as far as the building goes. But if I start worrying and stressing about it and dreading and fear and anxiety and all those things, what that means is I actually don't have a core belief 
that God is my supplier. I agree with the thought up here. I have a value for that, but it's not a core belief yet. And that's okay, because again, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So that fear and dread is actually revealing to me what I actually believe. And so that once I have that information, it's great information, because I can go to Holy Spirit and say, what lie am I believing? How did that come in? What truth do you want me to believe instead? Does this make sense? Um, so go after that. What lie am I believing? Invite Holy Spirit into that place, and then dread actually becomes your breakthrough. This is, this is how we go into the promised land, and the giants become our bread. Okay? When something comes against you, like get feisty, get bloodthirsty for it, and just be like, I'm taking you down. And on the other side of dread is typically going to be your breakthrough. It's typically going to be like new territory that you hadn't even realized you needed to enter into. Does this make sense? Someone say, I'm bloodthirsty. <laughs> bloodthirsty. Okay? Uh, what lies am I believing, Lord? Um, the, the, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That word truth there is not the word logos and is not the word rhema. It is the word that has to do with reality. So you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He'll give you your reality. Again, coming out of the natural realm into the supernatural realm where sight is actually more important in that realm. Does this make sense? All right. So are you imagining a future without God showing up? <laughs> are you imagining a future? So like whatever it is that you're dreading. So let's pull that up again so you can get real triggered. That's a good, it's a good thing to be triggered in a message so then you receive it in the right place, okay? So let's get triggered. What is that dread? Oh, that thing. Oh, okay. Are you dreading it because you're imagining a future without God showing up in that place? Okay? Our imagination was given to us by God. It's not meant to be the playground of the enemy. It's from Jesus, okay? So uh, they actually did a worry study. And in this study, subjects were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes did not actually happen. Lo and behold, they discovered that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. Never happened. Of the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry about is either not going to happen or is not that big a deal. <laughs> 97%! How much energy, how much like emotional energy do we waste worrying? And of course, we know Jesus says, you know, be anxious for nothing, do not worry. He doesn't tell us not to worry, and then we don't have the ability not to worry. Does that make sense? Right? Um, so 97% of what you worry about is either not going to happen or is not that big a deal. So if we're going to make up a bunch of stuff, how about we make up a bunch of stuff that's positive? right? Let's just like make up a bunch of stuff that's positive. How about we worry with God? Worrying with God. I literally wrote down some of my worries about this message. I'm like, God, how am I going to find time to record this message on a podcast because everyone is going to be slain in the spirit during the message and they're not going to be able to hear it. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> how about we worry with Jesus, right? right? Like, Lord, what if so many people get breakthrough that there's like massive amounts of people that want to get in here and we're still needing the building and we're going to have to go to five services, right? 
It's just like, let's worry with Jesus rather than worrying with the enemy. It's all smoke and mirrors and stuff. And it wastes our emotional energy. Because here's the thing, is that the enemy only wins by forfeit. The enemy can only win by forfeit. He has no legal right to come and do anything. It's only when we lay down what it is that is actually ours that he gets to win by forfeit. Does this make sense? So we don't have, we can't afford to waste mental energy imagining things that are never going to happen and wasting that time because it's going to cause us to want to forfeit. That's why he brings so much dread on you, right? Because it's just like, oh, I just, I just forget it, right? But we are more than conquerors, amen? Dread does not belong to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, dread does not belong to me. <laughs> All right. Imagine the truth. Take a scripture, take a promise of God, and picture that. Picture what it looks like for that to happen. Get specific. Okay? If we're going to make up stuff, if, if I imagine a bunch of positive things and it doesn't happen, oh well. <laughs> right? Let's just, let's just start worrying with God. Okay? Your feelings do not define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. Your feelings will always line up with what you're believing. Okay. Um, all right. Step three. Uh, so step one, you're going to ask Holy Spirit, am I supposed to do this? Step two, what lie am I believing? Step three, shift from the natural realm to the supernatural realm. Okay. Um, how do you shift from the natural realm to the spirit realm? In the natural realm, everything results from what I can output. In the natural realm, that's just how, how people think. It's just like, hey, you, you, you put in and you get back, and that's how it works, okay? Um, that's a very natural-minded way of thinking, okay? The supernatural realm, the spirit realm, I am in receive mode first, and everything flows out of his output. Does this make sense? So if I want to immediately enter into the spirit realm, I'm going to go into receive mode. Just like cut off the stress and the worry and the striving and the trying to come up with something. Just like, Jesus, I'm just here to receive. That's how we shift into the supernatural realm. That's how we shift into the spirit, okay? Our job in the spirit realm as spirit beings is to receive, contain, and broadcast. Someone re repeat after me. Say, receive, contain, broadcast, Okay, so that's my job when I go to preach a message. That's my job when I go to lead worship. That's my job when I go to talk to my kids. That's my job when I go to talk to my husband. I'm receiving from the Lord. I'm containing it, and then I broadcast it, okay? So we're not sitting on our laurels doing nothing. I'm going to go and broadcast the thing, but it's all coming from his supply, from him being my source. Does this make sense? All right. It's so quiet. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you're going to receive, contain, and broadcast. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. All right. So here's the truth. Long before I ever had a need, God had the supply. Long before I ever had a need, God had the supply. Whether it's issues with my kids, whether it's finances, health, whatever have you, God has the supply for it before you ever have a need. So sometimes what happens is that we look within ourselves to try and fix something, and then we yell at ourselves when we can't fix it. 
Why are we looking to ourselves to be the source of something? That is in the natural realm. That's a natural way of thinking. We have to jump into the supernatural realm and be like, God, you are my supplier of everything. You are the ruler of everything, right? He's the ruler of everything. He has infinite supply for every need that you could possibly have. So stop demanding it from yourself and go to the Lord expectant that he has it. Amen? And then you're just going to receive it, contain it, and broadcast it. All right? Um, Be supply-minded. Look to him and expect his supply. Lord, I'm going to know what to say. I'm going to have the words from you. If they don't come from you, they'll just be flesh and they're going to fall flat anyway. So, Lord, I'm trusting you. If the words are from you, then they're going to be spirit and they're going to be life. So I'm going to get in the flow of his grace. Amen? All right. We are more than conquerors. Um, let's talk about Moses at the Red Sea and uh, the children of Israel. Um, so what happens is uh, they, God brought them out of Egypt, and they're basically between a rock and a hard place. They come up against the Red Sea, and they turn and they look, and here's the Egyptians, and they are running after them, and they're, they're, they're going to kill them all um, for running away. And then they start complaining to Moses. They're like, why didn't we just stay in Egypt? Why would God bring us all the way out here? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? They literally said. Um, they got really sarcastic. Um, he, he brought us to the wilderness just to have us die out here, and they're complaining against the Lord. Um, but they look up and they saw the, the Egyptian army and it says they were terrified. They were full of dread, okay? When you get terrified and full of dread, it's trying to rob you from what God is trying to deliver you out of, right? And then we start, like, it's kind of funny, like what Brianna was talking about this morning. It's like we want to run back to comfort zone again. It's like, well, Egypt was comfort zone. No, it wasn't. It was slavery, It was bondage. Why would you want to go back there? God's got something new for you. Do not be terrified by what the enemy's trying to do. No matter how he's trying to intimidate you, no matter how much fear he's trying to bring on you, no matter how much dread he's trying to put on you, you need to stand up and say, I'm being robbed and I'm not going to be robbed anymore. Amen. No bondage. Amen. No bondage. Okay, so let's take a look at Exodus 14, 13. And uh, this is what Moses uh, answered to the people. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. He's prophesying, right? He's prophesying. Because the truth is, what it looks like in the natural is that God set them up to be defeated by the enemy, But what's actually happening is God's setting up their enemy to be defeated under the Red Sea. They just don't know it yet, right? So what it looks like in the natural is actually not wisdom. What is seen in the spiritual is real wisdom because real wisdom comes from knowing the Holy One. It comes from the fear of the Lord and doing what he says to do. Amen? Amen. So do not fear, stand by. What what a lot of the translations say is stand firm, Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand firm in that new thing you're trying. Stand firm in it because what's happening is that your enemy is about to be buried. Amen? That's why he's trying to bring so much dread on you so that you will back down so he can win by forfeit. All right. Now, where it says... Stand firm and see the salvation of the word of the Lord. Um, the word salvation, do you know what word that is in the Hebrew? 
Yeshua. <laughs> Stand firm and see the Yeshua of the Lord. Stand firm and see Jesus. Stand firm and look to him. You know, there was this story. Do you guys remember the story where Moses had to hold up the bronze snake? All the people were getting bit by snakes everywhere and they were dying and crying out. And they're like looking like, how do we deal with these snakes? How do we deal with the snakes? And God says, put a bronze serpent on, on, a, on a pole and hold it up. And when people look to it, they'll be healed. Okay. What does that bronze serpent represent? Bronze means judgment. And that serpent, it's, it's Jesus on the cross. He became sin who knew no sin. He was judged for us. Right? So when we look to him, we become healed from all the things that are running around trying to get us. Okay? We don't have a five-step plan of how to pick up eight snakes in, in an hour. We don't have to even look at the snakes. Does that make sense? Come up to the supernatural realm. Look to Jesus. Stand firm and see the Yeshua of the Lord. Because he already paid the price. Amen? All right. Um, Exodus 14.14. 14 says, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. <laughs> shushy, shushy sometimes. Uh, some, some translations say, you need only be still. You need only be still. Okay, stand firm, be still. Don't give in to the dread. Don't let the enemy win by forfeit. Okay, um, Exodus 14, 15. This is the Lord's answer to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Someone say, go forward. <laughs> why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Move forward. And then he tells him, stretch your hand over the sea and divide it. Okay? So we are all coming out of Egypt in many areas of our lives. What that means to come out of Egypt is coming out of slave mentality, poverty, victim mindset, powerlessness. That's what Egypt represents for us. Okay? Maybe in our finances, maybe in certain relationships, maybe we have addictions with our health, whatever it is. But God is saying, stand firm and look to Jesus and watch him fight the battle for you. Amen. Look to him as your supplier. Stand firm. Don't back down. You're going to see the win, and it's actually going to bury your enemy. And you're going to come out of that poverty mindset, and you could never be under that ever again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Stand firm. See Jesus. Move forward. Sometimes spiritual warfare looks like moving forward. Moving forward, do it afraid. Do it in the dread. Do it anyway. Open the mailbox. Add up how much debt there really is. I went through that process. I know it's scary. There is no shame on you. Shame is our enemy. Man, shame, I'm just, I'm, that's another message. <laughs> All right. Uh, step four, come in the opposite spirit. What is the opposite spirit of dread? Celebration. Come in the opposite spirit. Celebrate. Celebrate what you get to do. This morning in, in the prayer room, I'm like, I get to preach today. I'm just like kicking that dread in the face. I'm like, it's like, you're not even real, right? It's just trying to mess with me. Okay? Living a life of celebration. If you look at the Old Testament, 
Jesus, <laughs> that what was, what was ordered to the, the children of Israel was to have feasts and parties and banquets, okay? So like, there's the Feast of Booths. There's like all, all the different feasts, right? What were they? They were parties. There were times that they gathered together, they ate together, they had fun. Literally the Feast of Booths, there was a command that you be joyful and that you rejoice. That was, it was a commanded party, just like, hey, don't forget to party, you guys, is what he's saying. And people get all hung up in the legalism of it, and they're like, oh, should we celebrate the Feast of Booze or should we not? No, how about the heart of God that he's like, hey, you have to celebrate every now and again. You have to party. You have to have fun, okay? Live a life of celebration because we are more than conquerors. There is a lot to celebrate, Amen. Listen to testimonies. The Feast of Booths is a whole party dedicated to people reviewing testimonies with one another of God's faithfulness. That was, that was the party. It's like seven days of having fun and partying and telling of how awesome God is. Isn't that awesome? Let's do it. Let's do it. I think Feast of Booths is like September. Like we do like Feast of Booths in, you know, April or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, live a life full of celebration. Instead of dreading that you're going to run out of energy at some point, how about you celebrate that you actually need to rest? Because God created you to need rest and rejuvenation. He created you like that. So why feel bad about that? Why don't you build rest times in your life and celebrate, ooh, this is my rest time. Ooh, it's my Sabbath day. Instead of worrying about what I'm not accomplishing, I'm going to look to him as my supplier because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And he says to rest. All right. God created you to need rest, so don't feel bad about it. How about dreading a house chore? Thankfulness, celebrate. I have a home to clean. I have dishes. I have food. <laughs> I know sometimes it's easier said than done. I have children that make messes all over my house and dump out all my cereal on the floor. It's awesome. <laughs> but seriously, we need to celebrate because we are so blessed. Amen. If we live a life of celebration, we're not going to be robbed of that energy. That makes sense? That comes from dreading. Why do we dread the stuff? Let's just do the stuff. Um, here's, the, here's the funny thing that I found out is uh, I've actually timed some of the things that I would dread. I used to hate emptying the dishwasher. Just like, oh, I don't know why. I just like, I hated it. It was just frustrating or whatever. I timed myself five minutes. Five minutes. And I'd be like, oh, the dishes, I'm going to like sit on the couch and hide from them. Right? Doing the dishes, 15 minutes. Five kids, dishes take 15 minutes. Sorting the laundry, 15 minutes. And I dread, and I shame myself, and I feel bad, and I waste all this energy. Why? Right? We just celebrate. Just go after it. Someone say, go after it. All right. Step five, attach faith. Someone say, attach faith. Ask Holy Spirit, what does it look like for me to believe supernaturally about this? Okay, so you can start to make declarations. I believe that as I fold these towels, that there is an anointing and the presence of God is on me that whoever uses these towels is going to be filled with the presence of God. They're going to receive healing. It's going to be amazing. Like, how can I attach supernatural belief to the things that I'm doing, even in the mundane things? Amen. Like, we have access to the kingdom at any given moment. It's just a matter of how much we want to access it. Amen. Okay, when I open up this mail and I start adding up this debt, I am shifting the generations after me towards prosperity, and they're not going to know the slave mentality that I'm coming out of. Amen? 
attach supernatural faith to what it is that you're doing. We talked about last week, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If I dread, then I'm actually at war with my own yes. I'm actually at war with my yes or I'm at war with my no. So it says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. This means that you attach faith to your yes or you attach faith to your no. So, for example, Mondays are my family day off. It's a sacred day of rest. It's time with our family. I do not work on Mondays. I do not look at church things and stuff like that. If someone's in the hospital, obviously, it's like we do things like family, so that, that'll be like a family situation. But on Mondays, that's a sacred day. And if someone wants to counsel, wants a counseling appointment that day, and I say no... I have the choice to say no and dread and feel guilty that entire day and like worry about them and oh gosh, and they're going to be upset with me. Or I can attach faith to my no and say, because I'm fearing the Lord first and doing what he said to do, then God is actually going to show up for them in a greater way than I could if I showed up to that appointment. Does that make sense? God is about to bring breakthrough to them on that day because I'm following what he said to do. And then it's going to be even greater breakthrough for them than it could have been if I had shifted. Amen? So we need to attach faith to our yes, attach faith to our no. Um, When I say no to a counseling appointment on Monday, I am attaching faith to that, that that means there's going to be even greater connection with my family that day. And I'm going to connect with my kids like I never have because it's going to happen supernaturally. Amen? All right. Um, I make declarations. God always shows up when. So anything that I'm doing, like, God always shows up when I have to say no when I'm being obedient to God. God always shows up when I'm evangelizing someone on the street. God always shows up when I have to have a a brave conversation with somebody. God always shows up when is a really powerful declaration. All right. So the enemy only wins by forfeit. He is warring against your welfare. He's trying to get you to forfeit ground to him. So doubt your doubts. If you feel dread about something, I'd start getting really suspicious if I was you. Get really suspicious, flip the script on him, go after and take some more ground. Amen? Uh, Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, When you feel dread or fear, it's a sign that you need to engage in the realm of the Spirit. Look to Jesus as the author and finisher of faith. He is the author and finisher of faith. Our faith is actually not in the original uh, Greek, it is, uh, he's the author and finisher of faith. So be preoccupied with Christ, not yourself, not your shortcomings, not your failures. Um, God gives you credit for faith even when it feels small to you, even when your faith looks iffy. Go and read the Hall of Faith in Hebrews where it talks about Abraham and Sarah. It talks about them like they were the most amazing faith-filled people ever. Have you ever read the story of Abraham and Sarah? (laughs) They got a word and Abraham's like, okay, I'm going to make it happen through my flesh and try to impregnate my servant girl and then Sarah finds out it's going to be through her and she laughs, (laughs) right? Well, what was their big faith? What was their big faith? But God gives them so much. He's like, look at that faith. What did they do? They swiped the credit card. They went in the room together. I'll put it that way. Not super hard, right? Not super difficult to do. They swiped the credit card and lo and behold, there was money in the account and they conceived a son. Amen. All right. Yeah. 
The things of God are easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Uh, Matthew eleven thirty. We have it for the screens, I believe, um, but that's, that's what it says. <laughs> Take my word. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Um, people think that the Christian life is hard. It's actually not true. It's not scriptural, okay? Um, the Christian life is we are yoked with Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's perfectly fit for us. Actually, Proverbs thirteen fifteen says the way of the transgressors is hard. What does that mean? The way of unbelievers is hard. Proverbs 13, 15. Okay? So receive his peace right now. Receive his shalom. Receive his yoke that's easy and light. Even just like right now, just put your hands out. Just say, Jesus, I receive your peace. I receive your shalom. I receive boldness and courage from you. And a righteous indignation that makes me bloodthirsty for the enemy when I feel fear or dread. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So yeah, just stay in that, in that posture of receive mode. And I just uh, feel like this was a word from the Lord for you guys, uh, for all of us. Um, I, I hear him say, follow me into the unknown places and allow my light to shine in the darkness. Trust me and you will see a harvest that you never thought possible. You have nothing to fear, so do not forfeit any ground to the enemy. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's time to go after your finances. It's time to go after your health journey. It's time to get help for your marriage. It's time to go after connection to your kids' hearts. It's time to step out in community and put yourself out there. It's time to ask for prayer for that thing you've been struggling with. It's time to share Jesus with someone. It's time to step out and heal people. Use that debit card to make some purchases with everything that he paid for. So Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that you paid it all, God, and that we are so set up for success. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would be filled with supernatural boldness, supernatural courage, that they just like rise up like giants leaving this room, just like, ah, I'm going to take down the enemy and we're going to conquer the world. I just thank you, Lord, for your supernatural grace for that, God. And I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to start to give step-by-step -step instructions to people, Lord, for how to enter into the places that you're calling them into. And even stuff that I haven't even said today, I feel like there's, there's other people, it's like there's even a question in your mind just like, well, she didn't name this thing. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> that thing too. If Holy Spirit's highlighting it, it's because he knows. So we just trust you, Lord, and we just put it all in your hands. We lay it all at your feet. We lift our hands up and we lay our whole life down before you. And we just thank you so much, Lord, that you are worth it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen.